Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Really excited about the, the show today. Uh, it's the show on vampires. Yeah, we're talking what the Catholic Church has believed about vampires throughout the years. Uh, the historical fact that the real Dracula was actually a Catholic, the crazy folklore that Adam's first wife was the mother of all vampires, and a lot of other really cool folklore to explore. So grab your vampire slaying kits, your exercise <laughs> salt is an important item, and let's begin this show in three, two, one, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> So glad to have everybody back for another episode. We're here in the studio with Ryan and Father Rich, as always. How's it going, guys? Doing yeah. great. I'm excited about this episode. Like, I, I don't, I, vampires in the Catholic Church, I never made that assumption. So. Well, I remember Castlevania back in the day, and, you know, like all of the toolkit that, that you know, the, the main character had with the holy water yeah. and the... The crosses and stuff. So I'm excited to get into the real deep Catholic stuff. Yeah, you know, when you think about vampire slaying, it's not, uh, they're not throwing a Methodist hymnal at them. You know, it's it's Catholics. It's holy water and it's uh, crucifixes and holy salt. I mean, yeah, vampires fear the Catholic Church, and that's what we want to talk about today. Oh. We expose those blood-sucking demons. Absolutely. Before we start talking about vampires, Father Rich, you got something to say. Well, I do. Well... <laughs> If you want a vampire slaying kit, you should be a Patreon. So maybe we could maybe we could work out a vampire slaying kit. I'll see if I can OEM one. Absolutely. So if you want to be a Patreon for our show and continue to support our good efforts and to really get the show out there, visit us at patreon.com forward slash Catholic Talk Show. Help us, you know, in any way that you possibly can, and especially for all of our viewers. Definitely pray for what we're doing. Connect with us on social media from Twitter to Instagram to Facebook. And we love journeying with you in faith and continuing to delve into these awesome topics. Yeah. All right, so let's drive a stake in this one. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So vampires are probably the most, what's one of the biggest cultural phenomenons of, uh, <laughs> phenomenons? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's one it of those works. two. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenon. But, you know, in the horror genre, in, in, in movies, and in all different sorts of media, I mean, you see vampires. Vampires are a very prevalent thing in our society and in, in our popular consciousness. Recent. Recent. Like, See, no, but it's even, not. It's, it's not. not. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, if you centuries. look at vampires, you know, it goes back to Mesopotamia. People oh, believed mm -hmm. in vampires. Mm -hmm. So vampires have been around for millennia. So, and the whole idea really is that there's, there's a, a revenant, something that comes back from the dead. And I think it really comes from that idea of people fearing death and not understanding how death works. And that uh, something that personifies death itself uh is where the whole mythology around vampires comes from. And oh, hence the whole like casket idea, and no. that they like yeah. out of the casket. You know? That's what they do. That's the sound. And they that stick it makes. their arms up like yeah, that. Like, yeah, too. their like, arms come uh, up first. Uh, <laughs> stretching them out a little it's, bit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I've been in here. I've been in here for four, four weeks. They have so, no bioflex. <laughs> you know? So what? So like, have va vampires always been the same in, in a sense, historically, um, contextually? Like, have they always been? Coming out of a casket, have they always, you know? So not really, and we're like going to get into that. So, okay, cool. Or, you know, originally, so the word vampire, there's some dispute on where the word actually comes from. Um, but most uh, people who study linguistics will say that vampire comes from um, a Serbian word, 
which would be vrepritsa, uh, which would mean something that bites or thrusts, right? Um, and concur- uh, conversely, they said that that word actually comes from a Turkish word. So this has gone back where you're starting to get into Middle Eastern beliefs and uh, Mesopotamian beliefs, but there's a Turkish word that was called uh, ubir or upir, mm-hmm. which was basically how they would have said witch. Mm. So from upir to vepir uh, itsa, it, it started to take on the, the the connotation of an undead revenant creature, a witch, something um, metaphysical, something pagan, death. Yeah. yeah. And then ultimately that word morphed uh, through Turkish into Slavic languages. And then when the Austro-Hungarian Empire pretty much took over um, the Slavic areas, when the first officials were going there, they were noticing like these people are digging up the undead and then and they're, they have these things called a upir and then through Austrian into French, it became vampire or vampire and then vampire. So that's, it's been around. Yeah, yeah that's wow. the development of the word. So it's been yeah. around. Now, one of the really crazy folklore myths around vampires is the origin of vampires. And this is pretty crazy. So who was Adam's wife? Eve. Right? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go with Eve. Last yeah. time I checked, yeah, well, yeah, thanks. Yeah. I'm almost like 100 yeah. percent confident on yeah. that. You're pretty yeah. good. No, no heresy no. button there. No heresy button. Okay, now yet I didn't yet know. yes yet there is there is tradition in um, medieval uh, Jewish tradition and throughout other kind of more Gnostic beliefs that Adam actually had a first wife before Adam Lilith before Eve before Eve. I'm sorry, oh, yes. yeah, and uh, her name was Lilith. And essentially, Lilith didn't. She's held up now as kind of like an icon of um, feminism, and the whole thing was that she didn't want to submit to her position as a woman. She wanted to have power over the man and concurrently, whatever, right? So Lilith then refused to accept her position and left the Garden of Eden. And because of that, she had nothing to eat, so she started eating um, the blood of animals. Wow, and she, she just re- for went the 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 whole apple thing. Yeah, that's, she's <laughs> that's that's very biblical though. Right. Yeah. So when how far back does that legend come out? Like when when do you have like the first at, at least in the ninth century? Wow, and then people talking ages. about people talking <laughs> about people talking about Lilith goes back before that. But as far as I could tell, and what I researched, that was the first time the connection between Lilith and being the mother of all vampires. That's fascinating. So then then they said, well, then the mythology around Lilith. Um, uh, started to expand in that she was jealous that Eve was having children and she didn't have a children because she didn't have a spouse. So eventually she became um, so crazed with wanting to have children that she eventually started having relations with demons. Mm. And her children with these demons were the first vampires. Mm. Makes crazy. a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Some logic to that. This is all just total nonsense, yeah. nonsense, but it's still a pretty interesting concept that that's how far back people would want to trace vampires right to the garden of Eden. Yeah. That this, this woman uh, who was expelled from the garden of Eden hooked up with demons and that's What's the whole vampires. benefit like to humanity with demons. Like where does that, Fixation occur like well, you demons know, like, are real, huh? Demons are real, right? Or demons like are, how we're culturally real. fixed on like these type this of 
particular yeah. Yeah, yeah. manifestation. Well, and that's what of I was a, thinking. Like, how many movies have I personally watched about vampire slayers or vampires or video games? You, you play video games for sure. Yeah. Like I mentioned, Castlevania growing up, and it is there's something that definitely is intriguing, and I definitely want to you know kind of watch the movie or participate in the mm-hmm. in the video game. So, you know, like, yeah, I think it appeals to something deep within us that we're aware of the spiritual reality of like the the invisible reality Mm -hmm. of evil and the presence of demons. And we want to visualize it and we need that we need to have a visual connotation of it so that we can battle it back, perhaps, or, or, you know, muster up a certain amount of energy and zeal to battle back the impulses of of evil. So you've got the good and the evil. That's something that's inherent, I mm-hmm. think, to every human is, is understanding that, hopefully, mm-hmm. um, or 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 trying to grasp it mystically or through tangible things. But the, the manifestation of that in a vampire. Well, see, right? I, a it's lot now, of it's now it now becomes a little bit more tangible in a sense of, of where that manifestation occurs. Mm-hmm. A lot right? of the mythology and a lot of the belief in vampires comes from the misunderstanding or the lack of understanding people had with the physical processes of death, right? For for people in the Middle Ages and before in the Bronze Age or whenever, dying was a very unexplored thing. They just knew people died, and then they did. Decomposition of a body was not something that you saw because oh. you buried people. Okay. So, but then there people would um, disinter them for whatever reason, and they would see that um, when a, when a person dies, a lot of times back then, especially in non climate controlled areas, their body would puff up, they would get white, and some of the processes would force blood up from the stomach and it would drip out the mouth. And they would grow fangs. Well, mm. no, but so <laughs> your fingernails would continue to grow as well. Oh, so after wow. you die. So mm. you're so they'd find them, they're puffy, so they're not decomposed. They have long nails and they've got blood dripping from them. It's like, well, this dude's That's been out creepy. this dude's been out eating people, right? Yeah. Because my, <laughs> why else would there be blood, right? And he's gained weight. Right. And I mean there's a lot of there's right. a lot so of there's kind of, a lot of fat vampires? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it came from like this misunderstanding of where, of what happens when people die. Wow. So, um, and you'll see that with a lot of mythologies that it's trying to attempt to explain physical processes in the world that people didn't understand. Did you see Tony Malucci the other day? You know, he died about two months ago. I think he's turned into a chubby vampire. <laughs> Somebody cut his nails. Oh huh? my god! <laughs> Somebody give that guy a manicure. Would you? Oh no. yeah, care for the dead is one of the. One of the versions. Yeah. One, yeah. one of the yeah. works of mercy. Absolutely, works of mercy. Yeah. So yeah, go around cutting the nails yeah, and everything. Clip, that's right. That yeah, there's wipe right. off that blood. There's a job for somebody in the dark ages, you know. Right. The manicurist <laughs> of uh the of the body. vampire. Bring, out your, bring out your dead. Bring yeah, out your dead. Chop up the nails. Yeah, there's a lot of other um a lot of other manifestations of death and and uh, in the dark ages. Absolutely, because they're, they're starting to make sense to me a little bit. Which knee deep in death, man. Yeah, literally, yeah. I mean, it was there. Yeah. You and, know. and I and you know, there's also during the, during those ages as well, just the fascination of death as it relates to art and mm-hmm. and those expressions, which I'm sure that you're going to get into in a little bit. But mm. to also consider, you know, our own modern day. You know, how many how many towns are being developed? You know, I'm, I'm living in a new town in Nocatee in, in Florida. It's a pretty quick development and, and, you know, it's coming up. But like how many of those towns are zoning like these massive cemeteries, you know, or, you know, with a, with an appreciation of the memento mori of our faith, like to remember our death. 
you know, how, how often do we go into our church and there's a cemetery on the church grounds or the properties? Most of these new churches are, are not being zoned, you know, in, in their site planning for mm-hmm. cemeteries or even for columbariums or internment places for ashes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an overall kind of response to the reality of death that we don't even want to look at it, mm-hmm. that we don't even want to consider it. And I think that's extremely problematic because every single liturgy that we celebrate in the liturgy of the Eucharist, we continue to commemorate the dead, those who have gone before us, marked with the sign of faith, to remember those of our family members. When we think of like where we could be closest to our family members that have gone through death into this reality that is unknown, that is not seen, we cannot get any closer to our loved ones that have passed on than in the liturgy of the Eucharist when we are commemorating the dead, because it's right there where Jesus's paschal mystery, his victory over death is accomplished once again, and that sacrifice is made present. But in our culture, we are truly, I don't know, I'd love to get your, 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 your take on it, but clearly like as I'm driving around, I'm not seeing a ton of cemeteries being established in, in public squares where, where people will remember that. I just saw, I think it was either Oregon or Washington, where they started, they, the government approved that people can now be composted. Mm. Mm. Like, literally, they're taking... That's just gross. I mean, it's just... Now, for our listeners who don't know a, what that is, what, what is that? Well, the... Basically turned into mulch. Yeah, turned into mulch. Yeah. Or put, or there's other there's other treatments where you're put into a tree or into jewelry. Yeah, it's, or it shows into, such a shift on how we view death now. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's again, it's bad. It's like, well, I'm being mulched or I'm being mm-hmm. turned into a diamond or whatever. But mm-hmm. anyway, back to Dracula. <clears throat> yeah, because this is this is that response. So I mean, like, right. it's the yeah. treatment of death. It's the it's the it's the understanding of death, and then and through the lens of faith, you have now. This this hope, this resurrection, this unity with the body of Christ, and this, you know, and, and like the vampire take on it is a complete twist. It's a complete twist without that hope. Yeah. Well, a yeah. lot of people would say that the whole the mythology that arose around the vampire in the Middle Ages, when it started to really go from less of a um, just a, a a voidless creature, right, uh, that was a remnant undead, to where you start getting what we would recognize as a vampire traits. A lot of them are essentially just the reverse of the Eucharist, the reverse of Jesus in the Eucharist, right? It's a blood that, so if if a vampire, instead of you consuming Christ's blood and getting everlasting life, a vampire consumes your blood and gives you everlasting death, right? Um, A lot Mm. of these things were looked at as essentially, literally a lowercase antichrist because they were direct parallels to the Eucharist. Mm. And then you got... You know, like this is why you have holy water, and this is why you have the Catholic Church is brought right. like the the sacramentals of the church are brought in to to fight these vampires. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's always that response of Christ, and then the distinction between what Christ does in his offering. So mm-hmm. he offers his body and blood for our salvation, where the action of evil or demonic, the demonic presence in our life, and clearly illustrated in the vampire's action is more of take and mm-hmm. bite and right. and draw from and steal mm-hmm. life to face type of yeah. an action you know and and it can be illustrated so clearly in these different uh, cultural expressions in art and even mo- in in modernity these these movies you know th- and that is that is absolutely what evil does in our midst so yeah. who's the most famous vampire of all time dracula absolutely count one count count 
One stinky dinky. Ah, ah, I ah. love that guy. Sesame from, Street, yes, dude. Dude, I love that guy. That's my favorite. Ah, I think he's ah, the most ah, popular. All right, so before we get into Draco, <laughs> since, you, since you brought right, up the count, you. since you brought up the count, I'm going to bring up a pretty interesting point about vampires. Um, vampires, one of the things in the folklore that says that, you know, you throw salt at a vampire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know why they believe this? Well, isn't it something like the the vampire, it has to like count every grain of salt. It's like this kind of right. arithmophobia or like a like like type of, you know, <laughs> like compulsive it's behavior. Compulsive. Yeah. So you would throw salt at a vampire or rice or sand and they would have to stop. So if it was chasing like, at you, you throw salt over your shoulder. Yeah. And then have to sit there and count every one of them. Uh, oh man, this is open. <laughs> oh, Careful with that salt. Use uh, it liberally, people. Yes. So, so with Sesame Street, with the count being addicted to counting, that literally has oh, man. a historical precedent yeah. in folklore. That's so cool. That's so, so anyway, cool. so Sesame Street started this whole thing on yes. Sesame counting Street. salt. Yes. <laughs> All right, so Dracula. Dracula was a real person. Dracula was based off of a a um a real person called Vlad Tepish. Now Vlad Tepish was a um Romanian prince, right? And this is when uh the Turk uh, the Ottoman Empire was starting to invade through the the Slavic lands, right? And Vlad Tepish was a a prince who was leading the fight against them. And he was really effective at it, right? He was he became known as Vlad the Impaler because one time the Ottomans were coming in um, and they sent an advanced scout uh, to go and start the battle. And then the bulk of the forces were coming up. Vlad Tepish and his forces killed them all, took all of them, all these soldiers, and put them on eight-foot-tall stakes. Lord have mercy. So then when the rest of the Ottomans came, they're like, they see 5,000 pe- 5, dead bodies hanging on stakes oh, impaled. Bless. And they're like... I'm out. Right, yeah. I don't, I do, I do not want Romania this bad. I'm out. <laughs> Talk about inciting fear in your enemy. Mm. You don't want to go up against Vlad the Impaler. Like that, <laughs> that is just like, you know, talk about WWF names. Like that's got to be the, the Impaler. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. Undertaker has nothing on the Impaler. Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. yeah. Vlad the Negotiator wouldn't have worked so no, well. No, definitely not. <laughs> right. So anyway, so the reason that Vlad Tepish or Vlad the Impaler became known as now, in Western society, he's looked at as kind of this creepy, but he's a national hero in Romania. He's like the guy who saved their country. So oh, he's yeah. a hero there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was in what was called the Order of the Dracul or Dra- the Dragon. And this was a uh, a religious order, kind of like the Knights Templar or whatever, who their vow was to fight the invading uh, Ottoman Empire. Mm-hmm. So Vlad Dracul, so Dracula. So the, his father was the first one of his lineage to be as a member of the Order of the Dragon. So since he was the diminutive, he was Dracula. So Dracula, that's where mm. the word Dracula comes from, mm, is a Christian religious order to fight the Ottoman invasions. And some of the more recent uh, movies kind of pull on a little bit of that and yeah. and kind of share it. So, yeah. so the Dracula and vampire lore really gets its start in the way that we recognize it now in Bram Stoker's mm-hmm. Dracula. Mm-hmm. Now, Bram Stoker wrote his book, I think it was in the 1890s, and that's where most of the things that we consider, you know, a suave, uh, debonair vampire who's afraid of light and salt and crucifixes, who comes from Romania, that's where almost all of that comes from. Because before that, it was more of the Nosferatu type vampire where they're ugly, shriveled, demon, bat looking guy, right? Mm-hmm. Puffy faces, puffy and faces, long fingernails. And, yeah. 
Right, it is. Yeah. And then after that, they, they clean become... them up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Bram. So good to, good to vampires. Yeah, Bram takes yep. all the uh, the wild exotic stuff out of Eastern Europe and, you know, puts it in a nice British suit, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so in that book, that's where you start getting the concepts that uh, vampires are afraid of like, holy water and... Uh, crucifixes because the, the main character, the vampire hunter in it is Abraham Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. Now, Abraham Van Helsing in this book is a Catholic, right? And Bram Stoker was not Catholic. And his views on what Catholicism was, was a little bit strange in, in the way that he personified it in Van Helsing. So like for one for example, Van Helsing would take little pieces of the Eucharist and put it around the doorway so a vampire could come in. And they're like, isn't that wrong? And in the book, Van Helsing's like, I have a dispensation. Dude, that's not how dispensations work, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of the the whole concept of what we think of as vampires comes from that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. More the modern modern approach. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and how that's drawn from the Old Testament with the, the blood of the lamb, you know, over the mm-hmm. doorposts and... You know, but that would be a great sacrifice. That would be it would if you did yeah. that with the Eucharist, that is absolutely You're worse than a vampire. Well, that's excommunicable. Yeah. So yeah. you you know, that those are grounds for excommunication because of uh, you know desecration. the desecration of the blessed sacrament. Yep. The treasure of our church. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So so in the book and in the movies, Van Helsing is always kind of a, a very learned, very Catholic vampire hunter. But in reality, there was in the real world actual vampire hunters. Mm. And um, it's pretty crazy some of the mythology around them now. So, so it went from like movie to like some Comic Con type guy saying, "I'm going to go out and hunt vampires." No, because this I, is I saw the vamp- I saw that vampire, uh, the the Van Helsing Vampire Slayer movie. Okay, the one with um, what was his Wolverine name? dude? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then the <laughs> other one. Have you ever seen um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer? That was that yeah, came out. I never that was saw bizarre. that. It, it, it seemed bizarre. Yeah. So so we've got this from the movies. This sort of chronology of 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 these this movie, mm-hmm. and now people watching the movie and being like, "Well, no, Vampire Slayers are actually a thing way before the book and way before okay. the movies." So I mean, back in the Middle Ages, there were vampire hunters, professional vampire hunters, and. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was that, no, that's all right. So th- they were known as Hawthorns um, in their the language that they were at. So, And that was named after the type of wood that you would drive through a vampire's heart. Um, but they were always believed to have been born on a Saturday, so they were called Sabbatarians. Oh, wow. So there's only one strand of wood that you could actually use for a stake to the, drive through? I don't know. That's just where the name derives from, oh, the Hawthorns. Interesting. Yeah. And then so, when when munitions came out, whenever that was, mm-hmm. then it was a silver bullet. Dude, I'm still on the movie thing, but do you remember Buffy the Vampire Slayer? <laughs> <laughs> Stuck on the movies. Dude, that was it. Well, it all comes from yeah. the movies, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. No, but yeah, that was that was uh, when I was growing up. Yeah, I was just trying to figure out where that those that lines are. So there is a vamp- there are vampire slayers previously. And, and, then and most most movies, like that. even like Dracula Untold, you know, that that more recent, I think it was like 2013, 2014, when when that movie came out. And it's it's basically tracing these historical moments and where this is all coming from. So there is historical connotation, and and it's really coming from somewhere, but it never really covers like the accurate history of it. So it never includes Buffy. It, 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 well, it did did it there include is history. Buffy? Yeah, there was a Buffy <laughs> vampire slayer, and she was really beautiful. <laughs> Do you remember uh, John Carpenter's vampires? Where it's just all priests hunting vampires. Oh, it was, yeah. uh, what's his head? Uh, James Woods. Yes. That was a great movie. I James actually Woods. loved it. I love that movie. Yeah. 
So yeah. anyway, so there was real vampire hunters, and they were called Sabbatarians because they were. It was believed that anyone born on Saturday or the Jewish Sabbath was able to see undead creatures when no one else could. Interesting. And they were believed to be the child of a vampire and a human woman. Mm, weird. So the, and so you'll see that weird, pretty weird, right? So weird, so weird. So you'll see that um, even like in Castlevania, the video game. Uh, Simon Belmont's, I think, half vampire or something like mm -hmm. that. His father is Dracula, right? So that it was kind of a thing that children of vampires spent their life trying to kill vampires. And the things they would always carry with them, I think we know, right? Silver crucifix, holy water. I could barely pick this thing. And you know, if you're listening, salt. If you're listening now and you want a vampire kit, you just you go to patreon.com. No, we're not offering vampire <laughs> kits, but they do. I some, think we should, man. <laughs> okay, we will do. We okay, some, no, no, here's what we can do. I will put a vampire kit on there. Yes, we can get them. We'll put three of them on there, and we'll put it at some crazy, you know, number. And if you want it, you can get a vampire kit. But that they would be sell cool. vampire kits and even vintage ones from like the 1600s in Europe. You can find them on eBay. Yeah. Now, if you go to like Romania or anything like that, that's one of the things that they're like, oh, buy a real vampire. Those kit. are the authentic ones. They're yeah. authentic. We started this thing. Come here. eBay, give, or do you, you want price. one? Do you want one from Romania? eBay, Romania. eBay, Romania. You can buy one from eBay from Romania. They have this Ooh. thing called shipping. What? Yeah. Yeah. I can see like great. the negotiation going like, I think um, I saw that in a movie. 30 pesos or whatever, right? <laughs> pesos. And you're like, and you're like they you're use like, euros, dude. I know. Okay, euros. 30 euros. <laughs> you're like, I was just like giving you a hypo hypothetical situation. Yeah, then. Where Bulgaria has a, <laughs> and Romania have adopted the peso. Um, they're, they're like, they're like, you know nothing of economics, sir. <laughs> That's why we have a Patreon because right. we know nothing about economics. Yeah. No, so the 30, 30 uh, euros, yeah. And then you're like, yeah, no, nah, nah, I'll give you ten. He's like, this, this is, this is the good one. This is the real good. This stuff. is the good you one. Kill this two is not from China. <laughs> you kill two vampires at once. <laughs> <laughs> I get one for your kid too. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So traditionally, the things that they would keep, or like in a vampire kit, were skeleton keys, so that you can go and unlock any of the doors where vampires were hiding. A wreath of garlic, right? Yes. Because why not? Yeah, vampires hate garlic. Yeah, I love garlic. And that's I why I garlic. eat garlic every day. Maybe that's why I, I just take raw cloves of garlic and just throw them in my mouth, and I'm just. Oh yeah, I do. That's bizarre. Almost like a dip. While you're dipping, I'll just throw like a garlic <laughs> clove in my mouth. <laughs> Mainly to ward off the vampires. <laughs> and your parishioners. And the, that's the penance that's, you know, absolutely uh, embedded in the sacrament itself. They have to just smell my garlic strewn breath. Padre, you stinky. They put it up cellophane over the <laughs> over the screen of the confessional, so I gotta smell it. Uh, so silver crucifixes, um, holy water. Mm -hmm. uh, they would have a branch of wild roses. That if you put that on top of a coffin of a vampire, they couldn't open their coffin or whatever. Hmm. Um, so the first time I've ever heard what that. About one. a dagger, is it? Well, yeah, and That's then they coming. bring wooden stakes and a hammer, and then also pistols. So you take the wooden stake and you hit it with You're the like, hammer. Hold still! Hold I'm trying to hammer this into your back. Ah, I got my phone. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> please, please hold still. I'm not done yet. So now what a lot of people don't know is that the Catholic Church actually created in the Middle Ages a document about hunting vampires and witches and other undead Shut creatures. This is so good. Are you kidding me, <laughs> Shield? Absolutely. Of course you found something like this. So it was called the Malleus Maleficarum, which is Latin for the hammer of the witches. 
Wow. Ooh. Yeah. That almost immediately meets Vlad the Impaler. Like, yeah. it's like, you know, yeah. Yeah. eye to eye. This is great. So it was written by two Dominicans, Johann Springer and Heinrich Kramer. Okay. And I'm it still was, impressed. They sound right? good. So it's essentially it's supposed to be a compendium or a summa of all known techniques for fighting off evil creatures, witches, vampires, demons. So it's kind of like a catch-all. Right. And Vampires then, included. Just mm, lumped into there. Mm, Why not? Yeah. <laughs> because. Yeah. I mean, look, if you're going to hunt zombies or demons or vampires, you got to be prepared. You, you never know, know how to do yeah. it. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. like when you lift up a log, man, like all different kinds of things are to come out, right? Yeah. So if you, yeah. if you scare up a vampire, good chance that you're going to have a mummy Absolutely. Something. And, and you got you have to have rules and you Aliens. have to have guidelines, you know, and to think of zombie land. There were actual things, you know, like the double tap rule. Yep. You know, so there's these are the rules that the church provided. So Absolutely. this is good stuff. Yeah, they they talk specifically yeah. about um vampires and they talk about how the Greeks, like Euripides, would talk about vampires and it, it's like really like scholarly and stuff. It's pretty interesting. Wow. It's available out there if anyone wants to go read it. We should, should throw it on our, on our social media pages. Now, this is not an officially approved church document. This is not something that's, you know. Mm, okay. Now, now, you're back, yeah. now you're backsliding. But this was just written by Dominicans. It's not like the Vatican's like, yeah, cool. But this is, let's put this on the shelf right next to our other, you know, to the catechism. It's not like that, right? This <laughs> is Middle Ages. Let's put it next to our documentary so cats. Some, what were some of the, <laughs> <laughs> so what, 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 what were some of the comments in there that, that stood out for you? Um, looking at it really i thought what they were talking about that was really cool like i said was how they were tracking how they were relating specific demons to different mythological uh appearances so they would say like well the greeks were mentioning this but we conjecture that it was actually this demon right mm -hmm. so they were they were taking mythology and and Grounding it in reality, mm, if, yes. they, if they could find, and, and that's actually something interesting that Father Amorth, Gabriel Amorth, did yeah. in his in his book, and Exorcist tells a story because he started identifying people that have had like these apparitions, say of like a family member or other types of of apparitions, and associating them primarily with demons, mm -hmm. and uh, you know because seeing the dead or interacting with the dead can be a ploy of evil mm -hmm. to draw you away from the person of Christ and his salvific grace for the dead. So it's pretty uh, pretty interesting. So Pope Benedict the Fourteenth, uh, he wrote. Um, there was a thing that they were trying to codify the canonization process. So he wrote a document called De Savorum De Beatificione at Sanctorum Canonizum Italian. Beatificione. You nailed that one. Right. It's a bunch of Latin Italian. You read it. No, you read it. I want to see you read it. De Savorum De Beatificione. Somehow you turn into like a hip hop. You, you're, you're like just grabbing a hold of the microphone for only the people that are, are watching you on YouTube. YouTube. You see the, the yeah, inflection. Just grab it. Let, me, let me give a shot. I'm going right, to give it a shot. Here you go. You try. All right. What are we reading here? De servorum de beatificatione et sanctorum canonizione. Can, 
No, it's yeah. Okay, so you guys can both shut your mouths. <laughs> oh, we, 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 well, we, we, you've we got did like a little bit of the font you. on there. Is yeah, like because tiny, I, cause cause I, you're Slavic. No, because you're holding it at an angle. Because yeah. I cut the path forward, man. It was already halfway <laughs> tread down by the time you went down that road. Anyway, it's on the beatification of this holy service. <laughs> All right. Okay, we're with we you. We should have just went with that. Right? We're, we're with you. We're with you. Okay. So in in that document, uh, Benedict the Fourteenth. Um, he was talking about how saints were incorrupt because that's one of the signs of sainthood. And it was, he said that that was an effect, an effect of divine intervention, that, uh, incorruptibility. Um, and that he specifically said that all phenomena attributed to vampires were purely natural. So he was taking a very scientific approach to it. He's like, look, no, he's puffy and bloated because he's dead. Right. And he said, these are the fruits of imagination, terror, and fear. And vampires do not exist. Ooh. So Benedict, there you have it, folks. That's Benedict yeah. the 14th. Now, in case you were wondering. Now, right, uh, you know, not too long after that, actually, just like a couple years later, there was a, um, a Benedictine, uh, Dom Augustine Calmet. He was a French theologian and a scholar, and he, he would like converse with like Voltaire, right? So, I mean, he was very prominent, and he wrote a book called The Treatise on the Apparition of Spirits and on Vampires or Revenants. Hmm. So he wrote this whole book on... And Voltaire was brilliant. Yeah. And Voltaire, um, because of that, he believed that vampires existed because of this book. Because of this book. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. And Voltaire wrote, these vampires were corpses who were sent out of their graves at night to suck the blood of the living, either at their throats or stomachs, which you don't really think of vampires biting biting stuff. I jugular. Yeah. Yeah. After which they returned to their cemeteries. The person so sucked waned, grew pale, and fell into consumption while the sucking corpses grew fat, got rosy, and enjoyed an excellent appetite. It was in Poland, Hungary, Silesia, Moravia, Austria, Lorraine, and the dead made this good cheer. Hmm. Voltaire you ever, wrote that? Yep, Voltaire. Have you ever heard that that a vampire would bite into the jelly roll of another human being? I mean, like, that's just, that's something. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I got a six-pack, like bro. The, that's kind of like the, uh, it's kind of like the, um, the redneck vampires. They're like... <laughs> That's like the uh, that's like the natural light of vampires. Like <laughs> we're gonna re- eat the grizzle. <laughs> the, grizzle. <laughs> the refined ones are like I'm going for the fresh blood oh, from the jugular, yeah, the jugular. where the <laughs> finest blood comes right from the head. <laughs> the other guys, look, man, I've been working all day long. <laughs> I've been out here fighting all these priests and everything. I just want to sit down with a good, good old belly. pack. <laughs> good old 12 pack of belly blood. Right? <laughs> I, think, I don't know why George W. Bush is a vampire, but anyway. The beginnings of another movie that has not yet been produced. But but think about it though, like the appetitive, right? So like the the aspect of the stomach and and how that could be drawn into what is base and and bile and then even like a god in and of itself. Um, in relationship to the appetite and the gluttony of, of human beings. And then, you know, like the throat and like the, the tongue as, as what defiles the human person and, you know, like the, the jugular. That's, that's always what I've thought about when it comes to like a vampire drawing blood from somebody. It's like always from behind and it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know the sneak up. That's why the salt over the, the shoulders. Up. Yeah, the, the sneak move. Sneak up jugular. The sneak up jugular move. But the, that's why you you flip the salt over your shoulder. I've done that since I was a child, though. By the way, you know, oh. like whenever the salt would hit the table, you just throw it over your. It was supposed to be your right shoulder. Yeah, but that's, now you that's know where that why. Comes from, that's where it comes from. Hmm. So they, you know, right around this time, this is you know the Enlightenment, and and they're really starting to look for proof of things, right? 
So Calmet did this study, and he reviewed all the cases. See, most of these cases were coming from Eastern Europe, which is just now really, you know, after the uh, the Great Schism and and the way that history kind of evolved, the East was always very separate from the West. But then after the Ottomans uh, and the Byzantine Empire fell, well, a lot of these former Eastern areas were much more closer because they had to be. Uh, in relation to the Western Church, like Bulgaria, Romania, uh, Serbia, right? So, and then the Austrians basically took them over. So they started doing scientific research. Even the the Empress uh, Maria Theresa sent her personal physician to all of these cities and looked for real proof of vampires, and ultimately concluded that they weren't real. And forbade anybody from being a vampire hunter and outlawed the whole practice. But then the you know the folk people still were into it. Um, and what's really cool is that archaeologists have been finding what they call vampire burials. So real vampire burials where people would believe that a certain person was a vampire, and they're they're excavating and they dig up a grave and they'll find a body with a big rock in its mouth. And stake to the ground. Wow. Seems like the witch trials almost has that same type of right. reality. Yeah, in history. That's that's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, vampires, I, they're not real. They're, maybe they're. I don't know. I don't think so. They're we'll absolutely, leave it up to you. They're, they're not real. Um, but it shows kind of the, the way that folklore and history uh, adapts itself to the fears that people have about whatever is going on in the world. And, and vampires, it's specifically about death and decomposition of the natural forces of what happened. And I think people who get too invested in this, again, it's kind of like that that sin of Saul where you're really trying to look behind the veil to what death is. And, you know, as a Christian, you should just learn to be okay with your death because mm-hmm. it's coming. Mm-hmm. But you it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's pretty like cool. Vampire movies are awesome. It's kind of like a good and evil, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. t- I mean, almost like a comic book. Makes great you know? stories. Yeah. And, and then it goes back to what we were sharing at the beginning of the show is, you know, to to make visible what is invisible. Because the, the fascination of the spiritual battle that we are so waging. so much salt on you. Oh, man. Look at that, dude. <laughs> Hold on. Don't brush. One, two, two, three, three four, five. <laughs> this could take a while. Six, six. You see? And that's how you ward them off. You know, you just drop the salt and let them count. So, but, you know, it goes back to, like, making visible what is invisible. And in this spiritual battle that we are currently in, to it helps, I think. It helps me. I mean, when I when I need to just sit down and... Just kind of clear my mind and watch a movie. I absolutely watch like a vampire slayer, vampire hunter, Abraham Lincoln, vampire slayer. Yeah, you, you kind obviously of have seen them all. <laughs> yeah, the, the, one, the one with um, uh, what's his head, the dude from uh, The Matrix, uh, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, that one was pretty good. John Carpenter's Vampires is pretty good. I even enjoyed The Priest. You remember that one where he was going out and he was he was slaying vampires? And that was a while back. That was like 2000 and probably like eight or nine or something. I don't remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. I also, Castlevania, dude, that was the Hands game. Down. Dude, that was an amazing yeah. video game. Even their remake in Nintendo 64. Was awesome. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. all of those, all of those. Um, I think they have one recently too that came out. No, they they continue to make yeah, them. Yeah, they continue to make it. Actually, um, I have one of the the retro Nintendo things. Yeah. the original one, and it's got Castlevania one and two on there. Sit How down cool, with a beer man. and play some Castlevania, man. It's <laughs> awesome. This show, was, talk about awesome. This show was awesome. This was a really, really cool episode. Okay, fun. but you know what? Don't go slinking away back into your dark corners yet, Padre. <laughs> 
Just gonna go lay down in my casket. Yeah, no, we have <laughs> we have an inquisition for you. Oh Lord, and it's not gonna sounds be, bloody. <laughs> just from the sides of the mouth. So, this is a hypothetical question, presuming that vampires are real, which they're not. Okay, vampires. One of their characteristics is that they're undead. They are dead. Mm -hmm. Okay, but they are. They still have the ability, like we see in the movies, to uh, have a conversion because they still are rational souls. Now. Say me and Ryan are out. Well, let's say the three of us are out and we had some beers and then we find ourselves into a situation where we have to kill a vampire, right? Our producer and cameraman, Howard, he got bit. And we, Howard, we got to put you down, bro. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to put Howard down, but Howard wants to make a reversion back to the faith. Mm -hmm. So Ryan's already got the stake through him, right? And he's dying. He's got like seconds left, right? Can you give a vampire last rites since he's already dead? I'm going to grab the microphone like Ryan Delacrosse right now. You go ahead and do that. And answer this. Now, last rites are for the healing of the sick. But, let me, but the vampire's already dead. The vampire's dead, so there is no conversion for those who are already but dead. But he's undead. But he is dead. But he still has a rational soul and True. the rational ability to make decisions. But his state in life, is he dead or is he not dead? He's is undead. a vampire... If a, if, a, if a vampire... So, what are we dealing with here? I'm trying to figure this out. <laughs> Can you give last rites to a vampire? Because he's already dead. No! So then you're just saying, sorry, dude, you're going... You're done. You, there's, there's no chance for him to... Bye, Howie. His, sorry, Howie. You're so, vampire You're going to H-E double hockey six, bro. <laughs> I'll get to you before, they're how before that, Howard. And administer the, the sacrament of the sick. But let me let me just say, like, so the, the state in which the vampire... Howard, <laughs> is, Howie Wowie, Howie Wowie is dead. So he's he's one dead, but now his whole life is ordered to drawing life from and 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 the actions of yeah, the but demoniac. He's, but he's doing a deathbed con well a second deathbed conversion. He's not doing the conversion. He, they, that's impossible. And nobody's talking about my soul because I'm driving a stake through his heart. <laughs> and you're saying, hold still, hold still. <laughs> with the hammer. Well, I think we've already established in other episodes that it's okay to kill zombies and demons. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I think we did. Yeah, yeah. there's precedence yeah. there. Uh, yeah. So you're, you're saying that... I say there's no conversion after death. I think that... The, but what about undeath? Because you still have a rational soul. So, so I, if vampires... So, so has a vampire if, already if vampires, had their particular judgment? If, if vampires do not exist... Right. But hypothetically that they do. Right. They're still considered dead. Right. Therefore. But they still are making decisions. They, they, no, they aren't making decisions. They're, they are. So this goes right to John Paul Dude. II's, John Paul, John Paul II's uh, contribution in philosophy as Ooh. it relates to freedom, right? So freedom's not to do whatever it is that we want, but freedom is always in the choice to do the good. Right. So the compulsion of the vampire is compulsively enslaved to the actions that are not good. Yeah, but he knows he's dying, and he's like, I'm sorry. He already he, died. But he's dying a second time. There's no repentance? <laughs> Dude, is, that's cold, man. Hey, we're talk, man. We're talking no, in hypothetical circles No, you're here. always is, the, the weepy, merciful well, one. I'm I am, like, Dude, I come am on, merciful. This vampire's it's trying my, to... It's my, it's my state in life as a priest. All right, fine. He did. And I celebrate the sacraments, which is an expression of God's mercy. And I stab and vampires that, and I deny them sacraments. That's absolutely right. <laughs> you get that's nothing. Right. You die and you go to hell, vampire. <laughs> All right. He's cold. All Boom. right. What do you, I don't know. Let's, let's, I'm let's closing the casket on that. No. Okay. That's cold, man. It's cold, Close. but you know what? Dunskies. In the vampire hunting business, 
It's a cold business. It is a cold there, business. There's no mercy. No mercy. No. Yeah, it's bloody too. It it's is. bloody. Very. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like garlic too. So we want to thank you so much for joining us on the Catholic Talk Show. You can connect with us in many different ways. You could go to our website, catholictalkshow.com. You could visit us on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And certainly we thank our Patreons and especially the Patreons that will soon be getting a vampire hunting kit in the mail for supporting us in a, in a big way. <laughs> I still think that's a great idea. I'm going to have to go find somebody. Yeah, I'll, I'll make it happen. <laughs> All right, cool, guys. Let's so go. stay safe. <laughs> I think you just got salt in your eye. Did I really? Yeah. Oh, it burns. <laughs> All right, let's go kill some vampires, boys. Bye, everybody. Take care. <laughs>